0: Eight countries, 50 different beds, nine international flights, 11 local flights, six long distance trains, 11 longer distance buses, and eight island ferry transfers.
1: Sounds like the <laughs> sordid tales of the red light district.
0: This was our 2019, in summary, our first calendar year of being truly nomadic. Hello, and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa.
1: And I'm Andre.
0: And together we will nomad. (music) Welcome to episode 50. Today we're going to be reflecting on 2019, our first calendar year of being completely nomadic. Hello Andre.
1: What happened to 2020 though? Oh
0: 2020 we ignore. That one didn't exist. That one we erased.
1: So it took us a year to think about what we're gonna say about 2019. We were so shocked by 2020, <laughs> we just couldn't get around to it.
0: Shocked into silence.
1: We, we in fairness, we meant to do this. No, actually, did we ever mean to do this?
0: Yes, we did, in January 2020.
1: We always say we don't have time for anything because lives are so busy. And then came COVID lockdown and everybody had all the time in the world. And guess what? Oh, we still didn't do anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we were just somewhat um, preoccupied with other things, I would say. Like I don't what? we did nothing. Eating. Those things like <laughs> <broom, important. laughs> pineapple
1: beer. All those critical things running elements. in
0: circles around the house.
1: There we go. All the important things in life.
0: All the important things. Yes. No,
1: no, but all oh, seriously, seriously. Uh, this is an interesting discussion worth having because like you said, it was our first full year of fully nomadic travel.
0: That's right. So we'd had been travelling during 2018 already. At the beginning of 2019, we no longer had any place that we could really call home. We didn't have a vehicle anymore and we'd really gotten rid of the last of our belongings.
1: So we were really truly bums. Homeless people, that's a uh, the, the modern term for a homeless person is a it nomad. It
0: sounds so much better though, you have to say.
1: <laughs> but technically speaking, we are homeless.
0: Well, you do know that when you tell your parents and your parents' friends, their first question is, they look at you with that quizzical look on their face and then they go, do you mean they're homeless? Pretty much. Pretty much, yes. We're okay with that.
1: Yeah, we're fine with that. It's it's an alternative lifestyle choice. (laughs) It is Let's call it that.
0: So today what we're going to do is we're going to reflect a little bit on 2019. Just give you some of our stats in summary. And we're going to discuss how we chose our next destination and how that led us to developing a really cool new tool. We're going to chat about how we deal with money, tracking of expenses, a little bit about packing for full-time travel, including items we should and should not have packed social media how it influences travel and how it did influence our year of travel a little bit on technology our best travel apps our pace of travel keeping fit on the road our first time experiences and then at the end we'll reflect on what we learned from our first year as full-time nomads.
1: okay so this discussion is not going to focus on all our destinations and where we've been we're going to talk about what we've learned
0: that's right it's really a year in summary what the experience was like for us what we learned about it and if you want more on the actual travel guides we've got plenty of podcasts on those destinations as well as you can visit our website at wewillnomad.com for more destination specific information. So let me just quickly start by telling you where exactly we were in 2019. We started exactly where we are right now in Langebon along the west coast of South Africa From here we left and we flew via Dubai for a week stop over there to visit a friend to our cheapest flight destination option from South Africa which was Taiwan. We spent six weeks there before heading to South Korea for five weeks. We then went to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur for two weeks, Penang, Malaysia for one month, Langkawi, Malaysia for one month and then we made our way to Bali and Lombok in Indonesia for the full month that our visa allows us there. We then headed off to the Philippines for two months, Cambodia for one month and then returned to South Africa for the summer.
1: I just want to mention that the reason why we flew to Taiwan, we were actually trying to get to the Philippines.
0: We were and nine months later we made our way there. So
1: th- that was the original plan. We but. We couldn't get a value flight from Cape Town, South Africa, to the Philippines. This is one of the bad things living in the southern tip of Africa, I guess. So we figured, well, it yeah, is a good flight to Taiwan. We've never been there. Let's go there. And as things happened, once we got to Taiwan and we spent a bit of time there, we just took it uh, as it came. We didn't make like a rigid itinerary of any sort. We just saw where the weather was good, what flights we could find, and then that's where we went.
0: That's right. I mean, if I recall correctly, we already knew that there were cheap flights from Taiwan to the Philippines. And we thought we would maybe just spend a couple of weeks in Taipei. It was also going to be a bit of a stopover before heading to the Philippines. And then we got stuck there for longer than we expected. And by that time, the Philippines wasn't the best weather destination I think it anymore. it got too hot. It got too hot, so mm. we changed our plans. And, and then
1: we went to... And besides, uh, Taiwan is... I don't know if you've ever been to... Well, obviously, you've been to Taiwan. But if you're listening, <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Taiwan. But it's, it's seriously humid and it rains quite a lot. And there's actually not a lot of dry months in the year in that country. You can find drier spots, but we were just hoping to find somewhere where it's not as humid after five or six weeks in Taiwan. So that's how we moved around.
0: And I mean, then it took us nine months later, we actually ended up in the Philippines. And I think it was a great time of the year that we did end up being in the Philippines.
1: I think so. I agree. think
0: this conversation almost ties into our next point of discussion as to how we choose our next destination. Because for me at that point, when we were sitting in Taiwan, absolute number one priority was weather. I Mm -hmm. just said it was starting to get really humid. They're not only humid, but really rainy in the area that we were. We wanted to move south, but south was even wetter. And I just said, I want a destination where it's not raining as much, but I still want warm, good weather and to get to the beaches.
1: I remember before we departed in the beginning of uh, the year, we drew up a little calendar and made a column for every month of the year. And in that column we put countries that we thought would be good destinations for that month of the year. And we took into account sort of approximate weather, rainy seasons, tourist seasons, uh, all kinds of major holidays, like uh, Not going what we would think no, of or course of course or peak Easter, or things like that. And that's sort of what we used as a guide initially. But once we were in a specific place, we were hunting for the next destination. Our major uh, criteria were cost of flights. And Absolutely. obviously, if we could get access to a place visa free. And for
0: how long we could stay there.
1: Yes. Visa so free. we firstly looked at visa free destinations, quick flights, short flights and cost effectively and uh, without too much of a hassle. So we can keep it flexible because you know, we actually figured out very quickly that we would prefer to fly one way always yes so we don't want to book onward tickets in advance and i know this is a this is a complicated topic on its own so maybe we'll we'll talk about how to get past that at the end of this podcast i don't know if there's a little space for that
0: yeah of course why not i mean and then i think with those with looking at flights in one direction from wherever you currently are the second thing in terms of cost that comes into account is how expensive that place is, the new destination is in terms of cost of living.
1: I mean, you have a fair idea. If you're going to go to Singapore, you know it's going to be expensive. Okay, so some countries are definitely more expensive and part of the reason why we chose the countries we went to is firstly for some new experiences, but also because they were generally well priced for a budget traveller. Yep. I think South Korea is not the cheapest destination.
0: But I think it was one of the best value destinations. So it, not the uh, cheapest, but I think in terms of what you got for your value, it was great.
1: Oh, ter- like you mean like you don't have to really pay for anything?
0: Well, you get great... I think the accommodation wasn't the cheapest accommodation, but what you get in terms of accommodation is very good for what you pay. Well, we paid a lot less in, for instance, the Philippines or places like that, but the, yeah, quality, but the, quality. the quality was so much worse. So that's well, what I mean. Balance-wise, I don't think, wise, I don't think we paid much value.
1: less. I actually think South Korea generally, offered a, a good value mm, and, yeah, and in exactly fact in saying. the Philippines we might have paid more on average for accommodation if you're yeah. going to go check out our budgets but there were certain things we just couldn't do in South Korea you know you just couldn't afford to go to restaurants really yes. so th- those are little surprises but that didn't stop us from uh, going to check it out and I must say I mean we ended up spending six weeks in South Korea just because it was nice mm. and the weather was great and we, actually in fact I would have Like to spend more time.
0: I love South Korea, I must say, definitely.
1: It does get a bit isolating in a way because of the language challenge and also just because. You can't even use Google Maps. So there's some (laughs) logistical challenges in itself.
0: Yeah, having to use the country's Uh, custom navigation software to get around becomes a little bit difficult. And I mean, at that point, you say language does come into play. So after we were, I think, running on three months being in countries where we couldn't speak the language at all. And it was just such a relief to get to a place like Malaysia where Mm. people could understand you again. So sometimes language really does come into play when you just want to get something done and you want to move on to being in a place where you can just speak the language easily with people.
1: Well, uh, certainly, I mean, one of the big reasons we left South Korea is we had some logistical issues that needed dealing mm. with. You know, we we needed some technical stuff sorted out. I needed a pair of shoes. You needed shoes. I know it sounds crazy, which I but I couldn't find running shoes in South Korea that fit me. I, I mean, and I wouldn't have the biggest feet, but that's just one of those things you, you only figure out once you travel full yeah. time. The last thing I would have thought was I'm going to struggle to have a pair of shoes at lost, mm. and I won't, I won't be able to find a place to replace them with. So in that sense, it's easier to go to places where you can uh, communicate to people for sure.
0: Yeah, because if people who are listening aren't aware, we only travel with a single pair of closed shoes, which is our pair of shoes for running, which we do every morning as well as walking around most of the day whenever we're walking around if you aren't wearing a pair of flip-flops.
1: That sounds very hygienic. So,
0: it's not the best thing in the world, let's be honest. We do give them an hour of air between running and going out for the day while we have breakfast. Well, but some days we
1: stay in like sandals, flip-flops or whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so to give our running shoes a bit of a rest.
0: But the truth is your shoes take a lot more punishment in using them in that way than they do for normal daily use. So they really don't last very long.
1: I know we're going to talk about clothing or packing later. This is one of the other lessons I've learned is I don't really mind that my shoes or my clothes take a beating. This is just one of those things, you know, when you, when you live a normal life and I say this with air quotes, (laughs) you have a cupboard full of shirts and shoes and whatnot. And the reality is that the cost per wear becomes prohibitive in a way. Mm. So we don't think as carefully how well we're using our, our gear. Is clothing really serving a proper purpose to you? So if you have a single pair of shoes and they wear out in three months, I don't feel bad about it.
0: No, because your cost to wear ratio is it's actually really, really good.
1: It's incredibly good. Mm. It's like, so yes, I've got to replace my shoes every three months and it sounds insane. But considering how much I do with them and the kilometers I put on them, and the while they serve me, it's uh, it's probably still cheaper per I don't know, kilometer or per step or per well, use.
0: Even just overall, I think it for is sure. cheaper for yeah. in terms of what you spend on shoes per month.
1: And I think the other thing is you become less attached to your belongings mm. because I understand that this jacket, I can't get too attached to it because it's going to get some... Fading in the sun, or I've got a, i have got I might have to hand wash it somewhere in a basin. <laughs> no, you
0: might, you definitely will have to hand wash it somewhere <laughs> and, in a basin, <laughs>
1: and it's just going to destroy itself very quickly because of the the volume of use and. You'll have to just keep replacing stuff as you go.
0: But to me, there's a positive side of that, is that you're not afraid to actually enjoy something, whether it's exactly. a shirt, a jacket, a yes. pair of shoes. You don't ever think, oh no, well, this pair of shoes is too nice for today. or this saving You it don't for, have a cho- choice. Saving it
1: for a special occasion. Exactly. No, no, there's no special occasion. <laughs> no. And there's no special shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and when you buy something, you either you really need it or you really want it, and you immediately start using it and gain a sense of enjoyment from it which is really quite rewarding. I remember being in the Philippines where you'd, um, you were wringing up a pair d- your of shorts. denim shorts and they just tore in half. And it was like, okay, I guess I won't um, be able to leave the house in my denim shorts this morning. I'll put on the only other pair of uh, long pants that I had and went to breakfast and promptly went to go and find a new pair of denim shorts,
1: which I yeah, well, well, still have today. Yeah, we just walked past a little Second shop. Second-hand shop. <laughs> vintage. Vintage vintage shop the Philippines. Um,
0: a few times loved before or (laughs) pre-loved clothing there we go i found myself a pair of pre-loved shorts and I absolutely love my pre-loved denim shorts.
1: Yeah, I showed you. I they were cheap.
0: Yes. So anyway, those are just a couple of the things that we consider when we're looking for our next destination. And like you said, previously we had this really complicated and clunky spreadsheet where we put everything together. But one of the great things about Lockdown 2020 was that we took all this information and we developed it into an amazing, flexible, where-to-next travel destination search tool.
1: Wow, you make it sound so exciting. It is! (laughs) But in fairness, we did use 2020 probably more productively than we let on earlier. And it was one of those things that we always wanted to do. Uh, You'll find a podcast, I think our previous podcast was specifically dedicated to this travel destination tool. And there's also, I think, one of our blog articles under Travel Essentials, you'll you'll find a complete write-up. We'll link to that in the show notes. but. Yes, the travel destination tool started as a little pet project and sort of took a life on its own. And now it almost gives us all the answers we want. I don't know if this can be all the answers all the time. It's not that simple well i was going
0: to say i'm so chuffed with it right now and how it works if you want to have a quick overview of how it works you can actually take a look at our youtube video of the product and that shows it really nicely and quickly but like you say it doesn't matter how happy we are with it it feels like it's always going to evolve there's always something else another idea that we think of or something else that we think we can add to it and i think it's going to be an ongoing project for us
1: no doubt look there's a lot of the data that has to be updated fairly regularly to make it useful some of the major data points like weather patterns and tourist seasons are more static, but if you consider things like oh obviously COVID is now a major mm. issue. So it puts a whole different spin on where can we go quite easily. And this is gonna be in flux for I don't know, another year, maybe longer. But other things that changes quite regularly would be things like um, travel advisory levels, for example. You know. So these are things that one's gonna keep our hands on. But the thing is, we started out in saying, how do we ch- choose a list of destinations? So we, we kept it simple and we just said, oh, let's just go with a number of countries in the world or the countries that we find could be potential tourist destinations. And that's probably not enough. We've probably got to break it down. I, 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 want, I want to say we started with doing a whole thousand destination we points. Did. Initially. And we still
0: want to get back to that at some point. Yeah,
1: so, but it comes a bit crazy. So we decided to stick, it, stick to a country level and it, at least gives us most of the answers that we want. And I can imagine if it's a big, diverse, especially uh, climatically and geographically diverse country, it becomes a bit more complex to generalize about, for example, health risks or weather patterns, etc. But it's a step in the right direction and I'm quite happy with what we've got at the moment.
0: Yeah, me too. So we hope that you take a look at that and that that tool summarizes a lot of the things that we take into consideration when looking for our next destination
1: Yes, and we're still going to keep at it, so please bookmark it and go check it out
0: <laughs> Alright, a little bit about how we deal with money and tracking expenses when we travel Firstly, we do have a rough daily budget, but we don't stick to a budget every single day
1: No, because we naturally uh, cheap <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm mean, I mean, sorry. The...
1: Frugal, yes. No, that's the one. I mean,
0: you can be cheap and homeless, but frugal and nomadic sounds so much better.
1: We budget nomads. That's
0: right. No, we no, really the, are.
1: The truth is that some countries offer a lot more value at lower budgets, clearly. Um, but we, especially because we both stopped working fairly recently, we obviously would like to preserve our capital as long as we can. So we, we are looking at lower cost. destinations that offers more value right now.
0: But that being said, we also aren't 18-year-old backpackers who are prepared to sleep in a hostel or room of 20 beds. So we also want to have a certain level of comfort when it comes to our accommodation. On average, yes. And we want to experience certain things. So for instance, a big part of our travel is to go scuba diving and the diving destinations, things like that. So we're not absolutely on the budget-budget end, but we try and cut costs to keep them low as possible whenever we can.
1: What really helps in our case, and I know it's not always practical for everybody, but there's a few factors that really help to save money. And f- firstly, being two people, strangely enough, mm. makes a big difference it because does. if you, unless you're a backpacker and you're prepared to sleep in a hostel bed, If you want a private room, it doesn't matter if you're one person or two.
0: I think we said, we had a friend of ours joining us and traveling with us for a while, and I think we said that our cost as a couple was about one third more than his cost as a single person.
1: Pretty much. So it's
0: not double, it really is significantly less if you are a couple traveling together.
1: The aspects that do add up is local transportation can be expensive, and specifically countries where there's maybe a lot of water bodies, like Philippines is a good example. Mm. We have to travel, use multiple forms of transportation, then your cost can add up. The other thing is it's important to remember that we do visit other countries, different destinations for a reason. The idea is not just to go there and be cheap.
0: yeah spend as little as possible. We want to have an experience. You
1: want to eat local food, you want to see local sites, mm. you want to experience something. Otherwise you might as well stay somewhere in a, I don't know, in a, in a small apartment, eat
0: noodles or rice every noodles. day. Exactly. Yes. <laughs>
1: it becomes a pointless exercise trying to, how cheap you can do it. Mm. You know, the back, uh, years ago there was always this, uh, I mean maybe even now, people almost uh, compete with as, each other is how little money they yeah, spend. absolutely. <laughs> this is not the goal. This is no. not our goal.
0: No, no. Our goal is to spend as little as possible while getting as much as possible experience. Absolutely. So having a good balance of those two. And just to give you an indication, we roughly work on a $50 average daily spending.
1: U.S. dollar. Which
0: U.S. dollar, that's right, sorry. Um, excluding international flights. And of that, about 50% is usually spent on accommodation. And what we do do though, is we always track all our expenses. We use an app called Trubby Pocket to do that. And we categorize our expenses into accommodation, food, which includes alcohol, ice cream, snacks, all those kind of things. Sometimes we split it up, sometimes we don't. We look at transportation, cell and data costs because connectivity is always really important to us. And it's actually quite interesting to see how much you spend on that on average in different countries. Then we also just have a general category as well as a sightseeing and activities category which are really the luxuries that one could always skimp on but which we don't really want to because that's part of the experience
1: yeah I mean you don't want to cut all of it ultimately like you say you want to experience you just have to be a little bit more discerning as to which experiences you 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 want I would frankly rather avoid the fancy restaurant and go for an excursion yes you know sightseeing excursion or maybe something more of a local cultural experience or go for maybe a scuba dive uh, or whatever that takes just to Mm. get you or rent a scooter for a day or something so you can explore a bit more and that sometimes adds a lot more value from, from my point of view.
0: Absolutely and I mean that being said though with the food it's not that we don't eat good food or we don't eat local food we still always want to have that local experience it's just not necessarily in a restaurant.
1: Exactly. I think one thing I can add is, like, even though we track money, you know, it depends where you travel, uh, some countries make it a little bit easier to actually spend money. Some countries are very cash oriented societies, other places, it's not a problem to swipe a card. But what I do want to recommend is, avail yourself of what it costs Mm. you to draw cash, withdraw cash, using your, whatever, ATM card or your Mm. Visa or MasterCard or credit card versus versus swiping it, for example. the cost cost can really add up Mm, what you
0: think you're paying for something isn't actually what you end up paying this
1: is the thing because every time you you, uh, swipe that card there's going to be a fee not necessarily for the credit credit cards but there might be a a, a spread on the exchange rate conversion which you should take into account Mm -hmm. so this is something we've been looking at for many years because we've been travelling for many years and you, you guys can have a look on our website under the finance section there's a couple of blog articles specifically with how to deal with uh, money while you're traveling and we use for example two fairly well established products one is TransferWise it's called TransferWise Borderless as well as Revolut and these two products as a combination gives you a fair deal on how to maximize cash spendings and save a little money while you move from country to country.
0: Yes, because those little savings that you make can really add up to be that extra beer in the afternoon or an outing that you can afford or an ice cream in Italy.
1: Well, this is the thing, like for example, I know all the countries are not the same and uh, guys in America has got a leg up on all of us.
0: Oh yes, with their points. all their
1: points and, this, uh, points and mm. this loyalty systems. Uh, and unfortunately, the European market is more like ours. We don't exactly have that system. But if you use a I think a debit card or credit card to withdraw cash, Hmm. there's normally a fixed fee. It could be a fixed fee easily equal to like three or four US dollars. So think about that and that excludes the spread on the exchange rate. So if I draw a hundred US dollars cash, I'm going to pay say four dollars fee plus probably two to three, maybe in 5% more of the exchange value. So selling my $100 is costing me $110.
0: And this is where it also makes so much more sense to make bigger withdrawals as opposed to many smaller withdrawals because you end up paying so much more for your money at the end of the day. And in order to also know that and not get stuck with lots of foreign money which you aren't going to spend, you need to know roughly how much you plan on spending.
1: So planning
0: and knowing how much you spend is really important even if you don't have a fixed budget and you end up spending more than what you budgeted it's still important to know these numbers. And if you'd like a little bit more information on our budget reports, all our budget reports are on our website at wewillnomad.com under the finance section. And you can see there what we spent in each country, how it splits across the various categories. And we also show you there what percentage is spent in cash and on card. And you can get an idea of what type of accommodation we stay in for that budget.
1: Yes, uh, uh, look, it takes a bit of effort to keep track of your spendings. but that's the only sensible way, if you if you really want to save a bit. And look, it's obviously different when you go for a 10 day or two or three week holiday versus traveling full time. And that brings me to my last point about money. You can save when you travel slower. Absolutely. And this means staying longer in the same locations. Mm. You can, there's one thing we've learned, apart from the fact that Travelling fast is exhausting.
0: <laughs> Definitely.
1: Uh, Lisa, you said how many beds did we, we sleep in?
0: 50 beds and that was having multiple months long stays in the same place and still over the year it averaged to 50 beds.
1: Yeah, well this is what I was getting at is that we had two, at least two month long stays.
0: Well if you think about it, we were in January, February and March we were, we were in, in Langamon for three months. That's right. Then it was Penang that we stayed for a month, Langkawi we stayed for mm. a month
1: so that's for um, five months already. So
0: that's already five months. So in the remaining,
1: we squeezed in five, 50 bits. Seven
0: months, we slept in 50 beds. Yeah, really, it's so quite apart crazy, from the fact actually. that
1: it becomes exhausting to move, keep moving, keep moving, it also doesn't give you an opportunity to sort of immerse yourself a little bit more into mm. sort of the local scenery. And yes, you don't want to overdo it, but one of the things we did say is we're gonna make an effort to slow slow down our travel. Yep. You know, maybe. Go to a destination, spend two weeks in a place and then decide do we want to stay longer or we're gonna use it as a base Mm. or move on. You know, it's it's unfortunate because a lot of the time we allowed into a country only for thirty days.
0: And And there's so much to see, especially if it's a new country. Yes. You want to see more, you don't wanna feel like you're missing out. That's right. But the truth is you have to almost just go back to that country again. We went to Indonesia for the second or third second time. And they were still didn't feel like there was enough time. Whereas going to the Philippines for the first time, we said, okay, let's extend our 28-day visa to two months. And at the end of the day, yes, it allowed us to travel a little bit slower and move around and experience the Philippines more. But retrospectively, the cost and the effort that went into getting that visa extension also wasn't really worth it.
1: But you can hardly travel. So it's a very difficult travel, one. You can't travel the Philippines in a month.
0: No, it's very it's difficult. It's it's too big. A,
1: it's just too, big and diverse and spread out of country, that's like you are really yourself yourself a disservice. You're gonna spend most of your time on airports and minibuses. Yeah. And, and ferries. Which is a horrible thing. And or you just gotta be happy with the fact that I'm going to this specific destination. And you and spend that's your it. week there which that's is it. fine actually. Yep. It's but just, better than
0: hopping, island hopping all the time and being in transit more than you are relaxing on the beach.
1: Well, it's not just about relaxing, but I mean we like for example, we spent a week on uh, Siquijor mm. Island in the Philippines, and hey, what a great little destination yeah, it was. we you could spend a month there. I could have spent a month there, easy. And it's not just uh, the difference being as being in transit is not traveling. Mm. Being in transit,
0: is just a pain.
1: It's just a pain, yeah. honestly. You know, the the mystique of air travel quickly wears out <laughs> if you do it all the time.
0: And I mean, what we've also found is that you can travel faster and experience lots of things. But after moving around at a fairly fast pace for about three months, you reach that, well, between us, we reach that level of slight burnout where you just want to stay in one place almost for a month. You just don't want to see anything new. You don't want to experience anything new. You just want to be for a while. So we found that you can up your pace of travel for up to three months, but then you need to drastically slow it down. And that's why we say we'd rather maybe look at doing always one to two week stays absolute minimum of three to four nights but the truth is that over a year every now and then you have these practical stops like you're going to fly out of a city airport so you end up spending just the one night before they're close to the airport and things like that and that's how you end up averaging to more beds that, than you actually you know, think per mm, year
1: those are the pains uh, i think the other thing to mention is like you also get tired of constantly struggling it's yes. like, like something simple it's like it sounds very exotic to eat all your meals out in the restaurant or whatever, but it becomes a real pain. Mm. Okay, I get up in the morning and I have to go find food again.
0: Yeah, first thing you have to do is put shoes on, to no, be to go get No, no, no. no, no. All breakfast. I want to
1: do is, I just want to fry an egg. <laughs> so sometimes you, you just want to slow things down a little bit. And the fact is, you really need to stay in the place for a week to make that worth your while. Mm. So you want a little place, maybe get a little apartment and cook yourself breakfast. That's like we, we, we stuff we dream of.
0: Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so I have silly. to say, those month-long stays that we had, they were just so pleasurable in the sense that it gave us that opportunity to just feel like we were living somewhere, to feel like yeah. this was our home for that time. We knew the local supermarket, we greeted the people on the street, the regulars that we'd see, those kind of things. So you it's very a, nice to have that in between the experience of travel and experiencing new things and challenges of new foods, new languages, new culture.
1: You, you sort of also force yourself out of that travel mentality and suddenly you are a little bit more of a, you know, you live there. Local. Yeah, mm. you live there, Not a local, but it does give you a different perspective.
0: No, you experience it a little bit like a local, I think.
1: For sure.
0: Okay, great. Well, I think that covers our ideas of how we travel, the speed of travel, and the fact that it's not always the way you may perceive it to be. Let's talk about packing for full-time travel. (laughs) Because this one you're going to love.
1: Yeah, so maybe I can... Jump in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And tell us all the things that Lisa packed that we shouldn't have packed. No,
1: I I must be honest, I don't think we're the worst packers. And we at least have learned a lot of lessons over the years.
0: Oh yes, we've been traveling for 20 years almost 20 years with very small backpacks. So
1: we are minimalistic
0: packers. I do
1: remember a specific incident. (laughs) Which one? We were in Manhattan, New York. (laughs) And we each had a, a, su- a suitcase, bag, contraption that could have easily could've resembled a coffin. A coffin. And Those bags were enormous. We were, we were trying to get into the subway... <laughs> and I couldn't physically carry a bag in each hand and go down the staircase because the staircase wasn't wide enough.
0: And they couldn't fit through the turnstile it gate things to get into the subway either. You had to do one bag at a time and get through. Okay, so that, that was no, a disaster. No, no, no. I,
1: I promised myself that's never going to happen again. But in fairness, I just wanted to make myself feel better. That was an exception because it was a two-month trip and we did a road trip. We had a call all the time, except for, uh, I think, in, in New York and, and uh, I can't remember, Washington. So we, we it was road Lisa,
0: to bring America, yeah, we had uh, to have a big bag, we and Lisa
1: to went to a Lisa went on a spending spree every, every now and then, absolutely. so we just kept accumulating things. But anyway, <laughs> apart from that, we come from a background of fairly lightweight traveling, because we used to do travel by motorbike around Southern Africa, so we, we learned how to get by with less. And most of, if not all of our overseas travels, we've only ever done with a single piece of carry-on luggage, mm. which is normally a small backpack. And looking back, I'm actually amazed how we did it. I know we were
0: really impressed. We were good.
1: We were good. In fact, we did a trip to America in 2015 15 no, yeah, yeah 2015 in the winter. That's right. States, that
0: was also only with hand where luggage. we only
1: did that with our 30-liter backpacks.
0: That's right. But that was great because I was so concerned that time packing for winter. And then I realized packing for winter's best because you wear everything. Yeah, you
1: just wear everything. You just have it's clean underwear in
0: your bag. You have Absolutely. to worry about,
1: ooh, i okay, put my bikini. <laughs> All right, we just don't take a bikini. So that's simple. But anyway, so we've got a good experience with driving lightweight. And we've also learned that it opens up opportunities. Because suddenly you're not, you're, you're just struggling with giant suitcases and you having to always pay for expensive transport. Mm. You can hop into a bus or a train and it just makes life so, so much easier. So much easier. Sure. Your
0: options of transportation as well as being able to just make a dash for it. If you're running late for the flight, that mm-hmm. flight that yeah. left Indonesia, we would not have made if we had checked luggage. No, for sure. We had to absolutely run with our hand luggage on our, it was, it was just such a dash but and I, I was must, so grateful. I will
1: say though, it's not for everybody and it's not always as practical as we want to make it mm. sound. You probably can find a balance where you have, say, a smallish check bag per person and, say, a, something more manageable to carry on that you can maybe keep your electronics mm-hmm. and what or your personal belongings in. Yep. But that being said, we still struggled to get our bags light enough for, for the last trip. And even to that last day, we were looking at stuff and say, well, you know, We just gotta go with us. Well, it can't. There's just no space. We we just don't have weight, you know? And then we made it to Taiwan, I remember. And then it came down to small, stupid little things like, okay. USB cables. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we've got two, five USB uh, three USB cables. We only need two. Throw the other one away.
0: Uh, It's ridiculous. Uh,
1: It got that silly, but every little bit makes such a difference. Especially if you want to travel hand luggage only, it's it becomes so critical. And if you want to, if you know, if you fine to pay for check luggage, that that's great. But that's not the only price you pay.
0: No, there are advantages to check luggage sometimes. So there's certain things that you can take with you which yes. you can't take with you in hand luggage. Yes. Um, so there are advantages to check luggage as well. But for us, when you move around fairly regularly, the advantages of having carry on only outweigh the advantages of checked luggage, in our opinion.
1: If you want to move a little more freely and you want to make it easier on yourself, I want to actually be able to just walk up, I mean, walk up the street or just walk out to the airport, Mm. which we've done, (laughs) you know, doing silly things like that, man, that's fun, or hop on a local bus and it just creates a whole different element of uh, uh, the experience.
0: So, seeing as you're being so polite, I will go into the few things that we ditched along the way which André probably told me don't pack and I insisted on packing mm-hmm. and they made it through his packing scrutiny of things that just didn't get packed accidentally You probably <laughs> hid them behind something <laughs> I started off with a travel hairdryer which quite frankly is very practical but being in fairly warm destinations and mostly Airbnb the travel hairdryer was one of the first things to get ditched.
1: Sadly, look, it was a small, little, compact hairdryer, but you, there wasn't. No there
0: st- just wasn't really space you for it. You had to choose. It. Absolutely, a travel luggage scale is something that we've also always travelled with in the past because it is convenient to Super check, handy. Your ha- especially your hand luggage's weight, because when you fly with low-cost they air carriers, check they check your weight, and you always want to know how much more do I need to put in my pockets and not in my bag before they weigh it.
1: Well, guys, I've got a little um, secret trick for you, which Lisa doesn't like. <laughs> Well, she she likes it for obvious reasons, but she doesn't like the aesthetics of it.
0: Yes, you know a moon bag? Nobody
1: knows a moon bag. It's called a fanny pack.
0: (laughs) It's called a bum bag, a moon Bumbag, bag, fanny bag, well, whatever you want to call bag, it. That's call how it. many Andre wears.
1: No, no. Well, what I've done now is I've, I've, I've perfected it. So because we, we carry with, we, you know, we travel with a bit of electronics. Yes, a lot of electronics. So even something as silly as a uh, external hard drive, you know, it it, it it adds up.
0: Everything adds up in weight.
1: All these electronics are so compact, but they're so heavy. So I uh, string a few of these little pouches onto my my travel belt around my waist. And then I stuffed them full of um, heavy stuff <laughs> just, to get my, just to get the weight of the, my hand luggage down to a manageable size. And hey, it's worked.
0: So we ditched the luggage, scale and we added an extra pouch, pouch. to put onto Andre's <laughs> belt.
1: Well, this is the thing. Sometimes, I mean, we, fortunately we've fortunately, I mean, we've had a few close calls. Oh, yes. We've had a few cl- where people are like, uh, your bug's too heavy. And I say, like, wait a minute, maybe if I just slip this in my pocket or, oh, wait, that's a laptop. And then they're like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. they, they they let you go, but then you watch people ahead of you, and they get they get charged mega bucks for their overweight luggage, or they have to check stuff, or there's always that it's touch and go
0: and a little oh, bit of nerves.
1: Yeah, airport nerves. <laughs> I don't want that. I like that.
0: Other few things were we started off traveling with a Rubik's cube, which uh-huh. was. Great fun to be I able to play it. with on long days of transit. And oddly, I think with this time we might take one along again. Yes, we
1: should. We should actually. So we
0: ditched one of those, but I think that one we would actually add to our travels again. Um, Microfiber towels. I always like the idea of being able to have microfiber towels that you can use for your shower if you need them, as well as ones for the beach. And we just ended up having way too many microfiber
1: towels. Too many, Yeah, we we got rid of the excess.
0: So as great as they are, Mm. you really only need one spare microfiber towel for emergencies or to use as a picnic beach towel thing. And then the other absurd thing that I started traveling with was a battery powered face scrubber. Because whenever we travel in these hot destinations, you end up sweating so much more, and you touch your face so much more, and keeping your face clean is really important to me. So I wanted to have my face scrubber.
1: That sounds like you're a very, well, minimalistic traveller, come to think of it.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds terrible.
1: (laughs) Minimalistic face scrubbing device.
0: But the reason I'm mentioning this is that I found a great solution. I found these little silicone face washing pads, and they scrub your face, much more hygienically than a face cloth or anything else Mm -hmm. and they're absolutely super compact and really fantastic
1: well the silicone silicone
0: face scrubbing pads are my new thing
1: you you learn lessons like i i've learned that even if because even though i'm a large large Mm person, i can probably dry myself pretty efficiently with just a small microfiber cloth yeah i can do that if i have to and Especially in warmer weather, it's really not a problem. It just becomes a challenge if you want to add certain things like we run every morning. So you have to carry running clothes and you, know, you don't have a space for spare. Stuff gets dirty, you need to just wash it regularly. You might have to carry some stuff that you only use to exercise. Mm. And that, that adds to, to your packing list, unfortunately.
0: Well, some of the things that we did pack, which were really nice to have, which I thought might be ditched along the way, were, for instance, a yoga mat, Mm. because that's quite a bulky thing. I looked at fold-up ones, and at the end of the day, a lightweight roll-up yoga mat is really the easiest, because you can clip it onto your bag, and you can really get away with carrying that everywhere. And it's also useful sometimes to want to sit on in strange places, in an airport or wherever Mm. you are.
1: You actually manage to travel quite easily, with, but it is a lightweight it is. A yoga mat in, in Venus.
0: And I only almost lost it once.
1: Oh, I think we lost it a few times. <laughs> you I remember lost it li- once. leaving it at a check-in counter yes. and then I left it at the boarding desk. Oh
0: gosh.
1: And I had to run back for it. You I left, left it on, it on, on plane. the plane
0: and I had to run through the airport backwards onto the runway and into the plane. To okay that get sounds it. weird
1: but that's that's Borneo. <laughs>
0: that's what happens in Borneo. But <laughs> <laughs> other things that also take up a lot of space is our little drone. That we travel Well electronics
1: with? generally is a problem. I mean, we, we travel with very compact it's not like we don't even travel with large cameras because no. you just don't have the space for it we travel with compact stuff gopro we all got a little dji osmo pocket i think the new one's called just pocket and we have a little dji drone and f- most of the stuff we just shoot with ourselves, cell phones.
0: But this time I was really happy to have the drone. Yes. I was glad for, yes, it takes up a lot of space and we ummed and about whether we should or shouldn't pack it in. And I was really grateful for the footage that we managed to get with that.
1: And the moment, and you know, I travel with a laptop, you travel with a Chromebook and you know you need a charging mm-hmm. back for it, you need spare batteries, you need all odds and ends and everything, or a little cable and you need to keep everything organized and all adds up. I've got a Kindle, you've got a Kindle, we've got lots of stuff. In fact, I think we did a, a, a podcast about there's, just electronics.
0: That's right, and there's an article on the website as about well about what
1: electronics, what electronics, electronics travel we travel with. Carry. So we don't travel with high-tech stuff, we're not photographers or filmmakers or anything like that, but we just, you know, we shoot the odd YouTube video. Uh, go check it out by the way, we will find it linked uh, on our website. Otherwise you can go to youtube.com forward slash Andre and Lisa.
0: Cool and I think the only other little thing that takes up a bit of space um, is a travel pillow which mm. I quite enjoy having with us that we use on if you're in a bus or aeroplane, things like that. And even sometimes when you get to a place and the pillows are really bad. We don't actually have real
1: pillows, travel. it's just little rolls. It's,
0: it's just small, a tiny little roll. Yeah. So it's actually about half the size of the usual U-shaped yeah. travel pillows. It's about half that size, yeah. but it's really convenient. And that's usually my spacer in my bag. So I know when that fits inside my bag, then I've done a good job of packing.
1: Worst case, you have to hang it outside. And worst
0: case, I yeah. hang it outside, and that means I've bought something else, like some snacks that Oop. were in my bag.
1: Temporarily spacing it for snacks. <laughs> no, that before.
0: There are a few things that we didn't pack and that we realized we should have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the strange things like travel mugs. We didn't end up leaving ah, here, okay. but being in Asia, they always give you these tiny little mugs, and we really found like we wanted to have a nice mug to be able to make yeah, coffee well, and all that That's a good point. Yeah. So we bought ourselves some very nice melamine travel mugs.
1: In in Korea, I think. And also, I don't know if you got it on your list, some countries to not use knives. Oh yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so not it, only that, we ended up buying a folding knife
1: yeah. so that we could
0: cut some food. Like you yeah. say, some countries just don't seem to have knives. We bought ourselves a fork so that a we fox. could have a fork. Teaspoons. teaspoons yeah. And how difficult was that in South Korea? Was ah, I can't in, remember. I we couldn't get Korea. teaspoons. We couldn't find teaspoons.
1: Because mm-hmm. I have a coffee mug, but you can't. I get a teaspoon. Yeah. But now yes, you know, we sort of create problems for ourselves. Now we get a little folding knife, which is great.
0: But every time you fly, you have, you to, have to throw ditch it away. It. <laughs>
1: yeah, you have to ditch it. Yeah. So but those are the choices you make ultimately.
0: And I think the only other thing that we didn't start off with was an umbrella, which we quickly realised that travelling around most of Asia. And in tropical weather, you do need to have a travel umbrella, which
1: we, is quite hardy, You but definitely, compact. definitely need an umbrella in Taiwan. I can promise you, you need an umbrella.
0: <laughs> I think we bought an umbrella on day three.
1: Yeah, I want to say day one. <laughs> we <laughs> bought an umbrella. And I think we found an umbrella as well. Oh, yes. Someone ditched because, That's obviously, right. there's so many At the umbrellas. Airport. So we, we held on to two umbrellas and we went to Korea. Oh, I think we went to Korea. I, I don't know how far these umbrellas travel with us and we got to a point where we realized yeah, now we just suddenly don't need these umbrellas mm. anymore because we were in a place where it just wasn't necessary. We do um, have uh, ponchos, lightweight yes. emergency ponchos with us normally and we do also have jackets that gives us a bit of weather or rain protection if it absolutely gets to it. But umbrella, it's a, it's a tough one because it can add a bit of bulk.
0: It does, and mm. it's quite hard to find a compact travel umbrella which actually works fairly well.
1: And not only that, a lot of airlines won't let you fly with umbrellas as uh, carry-on, even uh, like collapsible ones. Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay, I didn't realise that. That's hmm. the
1: thing, there's too many metal pieces for them, I oh don't my like gosh. all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So if you'd like to check out a little bit more about our packing, head over to our website Com, and under travel tips you will can see what we pack, what we shouldn't have packed, our electronics that we travel with and all sorts of other packing lists and tips. Alright, the next thing to discuss, social media. How did it influence our travel? Is it good? Is it bad?
1: <laughs> okay.
0: What's your opinion? So Look,
1: we've been travelling for a long time and we've actually seen the influence of social media just generally as travellers. Destinations have become a lot more crowded because of social media. People follow their, their favourite Instagrammers and they want to emulate that shot or they want to be where those people have been. Yeah, I want to say
0: certain destinations. Yes, exactly. It forces people into...
1: You almost get, like, social media... Hotspots. Hotspots, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's one part of it, which I think is the bad part. It's like we glamorize certain aspects of travel. And a lot of people romanticize the idea of travel as a result. Mm. And unfortunately, we add to the problem if we only use social media as a way to find uh destinations. New destinations. Yeah.
0: And I think the biggest problem with that is also that the way that those destinations are portrayed on social media are so false in a way. It can so you be. know, we see these images on Instagram where oh my gosh, it looks so serene and beautiful, rice paddies in the background and somebody standing there with the beautiful sunlight on them. And then when you get to that destination, it's, it's absolutely the opposite because mm-hmm. it's just crowds of tourists, people fighting each other out of the way. You have three seconds to take your photo. Somebody's charging you a fortune to take no, that photo. It's not at all what it portrays. No.
1: I mean, you just think about uh, one of the more recent things was also in the news. It's like day trippers to Nusa Penida mm. um, from Bali. They go on these Instagram tours. Yep. So you get on the boat and, you, and then they get you on a bus and it, or a minibus on and they you, ro- you drive the worst roads in the world. Literally from spot to spot. Spot to spot and go crowd with other people mm. just to take photos of these natural mm. places. Okay. All right. Now let's not bring out all the bad stuff. Can I say something good about social media? Yes. <laughs> okay. Wait. I first got to add one more bad thing. <laughs> one can spend too much time on social media, which is unhealthy. Ah, so, And one okay. aspect is... Now you're there and you take your photo but you wanna be part of a cool crowd. So now you're just gonna you know, you're gonna put a filter on it and you're gonna spend so much time in there and then you're gonna tag stuff and uh, and and you want to interact because you know Instagram is the thing. But it's a it's a false sense of travel because you know, it incentivizes you to stay in the app, it incentivizes you spend time on it and actually it's robbing you
0: mm. of
1: living life
0: and actually looking around you and being there or yes. just rocking up somewhere unexpected not just looking for a certain destination because that's exactly where it is
1: and people tend to have their faces and their phones the whole mm, time and not so talk to each other and act less yep. with each other. but now I'll give you something good about it I know there's something good there's two things we can send grandma some photos <laughs> You know, Instagram or
0: on Instagram or only Facebook though? Okay,
1: that's the sign to leave Instagram, <laughs> only on Facebook. But the, I think the best part is that you can use social media as a as a good tool to meet other people.
0: Yes, we met quite a few people through mm-hmm. actually mostly Instagram, a little bit of Facebook too. And it's fantastic to be able to hook up with like-minded people like that. And even when you're also just following each other's journeys and then your paths happen to cross and you get to meet somebody in person, that's that's really pretty cool. But
1: you have to watch out not to fall into the trap of that social media thing and rather use it for what it should be, is for creating circles Mm. of like-minded people and make friends and keep in touch.
0: And actually reach out. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Not just look at somebody's photo and say, ooh, I want to go there. But we got in touch with quite a few people and quite a few people got in touch with us asking us about a place. That's what it's all out, about. Okay, you were in San Vicente instead of Port Barton. What was it like? Was it better? Was it worse? Actually getting personal feedback as opposed mm. to just looking at a photo and making your judgment call based on that.
1: Well, I think that's the difference of being just uh, you know, mindlessly swiping to the next exotic photo than actually trying to engage engage Mm. engage as as an active participant because it's not just about being potentially inspired Mm. because that's that's what social media is all about it's like we want we have you know we want those goals we want to set those goals for ourselves but it's more important to separate uh, that that time wasting Mm. bit from the the actual value of social media mm. I don't know what do you think is no there...
0: absolutely I think that there was really it did add value to our travel being able to meet up with people I want to say sometimes knowing those Instagram hot spots knowing to avoid them mm. so for me it is you were used to look in the lonely planets at the top 10 things to see and do and yeah you'd go there and there might be a few more people than any other attraction these days we actually actively avoided some of them and for instance if this was the rice field um, or the lavender field to go and see we would go somewhere else where you knew Mm. there would be less people Mm. so in that sense it was good and I think just meeting like-minded people making connections and being able to connect with somebody who you know is actually there
1: recently yeah, for sure.
0: that to me was really quite no, good so but it's not
1: all bad but no
0: but that being said i think it's something you always got to be aware of so you can use it positively but it's quite easy to also go down that rabbit hole yeah, and i also went yeah. down that rabbit hole of being a little bit too addicted to instagram and being mm. too involved in putting too much time into taking photos looking through photos that kind of thing so i think you just have to be aware of how it can catch you and use it for it's good and not get sucked into the rabbit we've got hole. to be
1: careful and remind ourselves constantly of why we're traveling. We're not just traveling to take photos to impress other people. Mm. We're not traveling to... Of course we want memories. And we do
0: want to see some of these beautiful spots because they are do. unique, some of them.
1: Well, I don't know. The truth is, the spotlight is shun on a specific highlight mm. purely because people do it. Yeah. If we go around the corner, we can probably see the beauty there as well Absolutely, I mean yes That's there are true. unique highlights and if it I mean if it's not a real natural wonder it is hard to to absolutely avoid it but there's plenty to see in the world and the, the sad part is that everything changes so fast and this is something you see especially in I don't want to say the developing world but it catches up it's like development is incredible it's like mm. so, so so fast how tourism changes a location like I mean Bali has been it's just been transformed in the last ten years, really. Never mind islands like uh, Nusa Penida. Like it's, it's just, well, if you go there every year, you'll see massive differences. And it's not most not of the time not the really good. good. Mm. Which is not to say that we don't want areas to develop, because that's not the point. What I'm saying is, you should go and find what you need in places other than what someone saw last year mm. or the year before because it keeps evolving and it might not be what you think it's going to be absolutely you i would say to, eight out of
0: ten of these instagram places mm. you can honestly look around the corner like you say and find something equally beautiful if not better and possibly even comparable
1: the most annoying part is that if you go to like a really instagramable spot i say instagramable in air quotes once again because it's been popularized mm. already but It's not that the spot is disappointing. It's like it's going to take so much effort. It's going to take so much effort to try and get that same Mm. shot, which is hardly worth it. No. Unless this is what you do for a living. And there are people that that does this. But that's not the reason why I travel. No. not, Not primarily in any case.
0: And I think, again, it comes down to what we always say about travel. Your overall travel experience is greatly based on what your expectations are. So when you have these really built up expectations, it's really hard not to be in some way disappointed. Oh, the sky isn't right for my photo, or there's somebody in the background, or something like that. It's just so easy to be disappointed. Where when you have lower expectations or no expectations, where you're just driving around the corner and you know that you're still 100 kilometers from that lavender field that you're aiming for, and you just come across a beautiful lavender field, it's that much more beautiful. It's that much more special.
1: I absolutely agree, but you know, nowadays you can just replace the sky <laughs> with wow. the app with a click of a button, new sky. So that's all just, right. Well, that but, leads us on well, to technology. That shows you how absurd it really is. It is, is it's, it's true. insane.
0: I know. You know we, we
1: really shouldn't be fixated on, on social media. We should remember where we want to go and why we're doing it. I just want to add one last thing more destination specific is that more and more everything's going to become the same. Yeah. And this is not to say it's a bad thing, once again, but a city is a city, people sleep on beds, they have water <laughs> that runs out of a tap, yeah, they have indoor plumbing. Yeah, it's not a phenomenal. people drive cars, and they use cell phones, and the internet's good. It's, it's becoming more difficult to differentiate a lot of places from each other. And it doesn't mean to say that there's no differences, but it does become a little bit harder to find these things. Because, you know, we've become so lazy, as human beings. It's like we want the best of everything. We want a new experience, f- foreign culture, interesting food.
0: But it must be comfortable.
1: Oh, of course, I want to sleep in a very soft bed with air conditioning tonight. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't suffer too much. And this is the contradiction, unfortunately. But so be careful what social media shows you and don't romanticize and go out there and experience it. That's all I want to say
0: all right great well i think let's lead that on to then technology i'm not going to go too much into technology um, we've got an article on the best travel apps on our website willnoma.com under travel tips we've just updated it for 2021 to give you not only travel apps but also just daily planning apps and inspirational apps what we really enjoy using is
1: Tripit. Oh, it's a game changer. Very, very, very nice just to organize your your itinerary a little bit better. You can customize it but just simple things like keeping track of bookings and flights and transport and stuff like that. That's wonderful. You've probably got a whole list of uh, goodies there.
0: Well, I'm just going to run through the top five that we use. NetGuard is very useful for being able to control and limit your data Data usage. usage.
1: yes. Very Very handy.
0: We always get a SIM card, a local SIM card in the country that we're in but we don't always just want to use data at liberty. We mm. want to be able to control that. When it comes to travel research, we recommend you use our where to next tool. <laughs> <laughs> so head over to wewillnomad.com. That is the best travel research tool, not only to find your next where to travel to destination, but also to find more information on any destination. So we've got very comprehensive country pages.
1: Well, we're working on our comprehensive pages.
0: And we're working on them. Yeah, we're
1: getting through them. <laughs> I think Selfishly, most of our effort has gone into obviously countries we've been to,
0: or that we're interested, or which in visiting. we're
1: very interested in visiting in the near near future. So there's 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 still a lot of um, gaps there, but uh, almost all the destinations got definitely usable information. Yes, but I think you're cheating. You slipped this one in there. It's not really what what it's all about.
0: No, no, it's not. The other um, apps in the article are into categories for navigation, translation, Mm. accommodation and bookings, tours and adventures. I don't know if there's any one particular that you'd like to highlight, I I think
1: it's important to stay organized, not only with regards to your your itinerary. Because if you go away for a week or two, uh, normally you've got a fair idea of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, but if you're traveling a little bit longer and often we don't know where we're going to be tomorrow or we're going to sleep or whatever, it becomes a little bit more interesting. And keeping track of those things is critical and also thinking on the practical side of, for example, when you take photos, how do you deal with those things? Mm. Do you use your smartphone? Do you use your camera? How do you do your backups? Do you you upload it to the cloud? Uh, how do you organize your stuff uh, if it's uh, and, and this becomes even more important if you're traveling long term or full full term? Yeah, like because it's not
0: like okay we get ten thousand mm-hmm. photos and then when we get home we'll we're sort them out. We're gonna sort
1: it out. You've it got becomes to do that on insane. The go. Yeah, so it's almost something you got to deal with on a daily basis if you want to make it sustainable. But you know, small things to keep in mind is just make sure your electronics are compatible. You know, so if you come from the US, for example, make sure you bring electronics that you can use and foreign countries and that's not specific to 110 volts only make sure you carry what we find quite nice is a small little extension cord so we get we don't have to fiddle in wall sockets, <laughs> behind cabinets, to charge our stuff.
0: And then we also try and just have everything compatible with the same type of charger. So everything yes. we buy doesn't matter if it's a hair trimmer. Everything is USB chargeable. Yeah,
1: even your like your Chromebook is, USB-C is USB chargeable. chargeable. Exactly.
0: So, so it just it saves just on limits. every charger that mm. you can save on is a little bit of extra weight and exactly.
1: space. So yeah, this is something everybody's got to figure out for themselves, and very much depends on. What technology you need, and how long you travel with. Less is more, from my perspective. But you're into photography or filmmaking, obviously you're gonna need or carry a lot more stuff, and you know exactly what you need. But just try and stay organised from day one, and that's that's not only with the equipment side. It's actually the storage, the, the, storage, the data, mm-hmm. the photos, Saving. the video. Last thing you wanna do. Friends of ours lost their GoPro after yeah. how many months? It's
0: 10 months I think or something and silly so and they, they lost s- all their
1: footage. That's insane. They are this, they, they, the, the SD card yeah. was in this GoPro, so they never backed it up. So that's a really sad thing to hear. To, yeah. You do not want that. Get yourself an external hard drive, make sure you back it up a on more than one place. backups. That's what, what we do and even so, think about risky things like stay away from water and also consider what your travel insurance options are. Mm. That's what I want to say about technology.
0: Okay, great. I think the next challenge that one always has, not only if you're on just a holiday, but particularly if you're full-time traveling, is how do you stay fit when you don't have a daily routine? Now, for us, I've always used yoga and I continue to do daily yoga, and that really helps to just keep doing something which can be a routine in most places that you are. I think in pretty much everywhere we stayed in Asia, I was able to find a small spot to do yoga. When you travel by camper van, it's a little bit more difficult sometimes if you're in city parking lots, that type of thing. And then to do other high intensity interval training, the same app that I use to do yoga, Down Dog, has got a hit workout program, and that can allow you to do anything from a seven minute high intensity workout to as long as you want. Which is quite easy to do in a hotel room. You don't need space. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need any equipment. So using those two are really a great way to be able to stay fit.
1: Amongst the blogosphere, <laughs> there's a term called blog bod, <laughs> and this, blog bod. this is used sometimes to describe people who blog from the road and. Because what people tend to do is they tend to stay in places for longer than a day or two and they
0: spend a lot of time behind the the computer, I guess.
1: It's like digital nomads. But you know what? The truth is, like anything else, even if you are just on a holiday, there are exceptions to the rule. And if you travel longer, it's just a little bit more difficult because it's so much harder to have any sort of routine. Mm. I think this is one of the challenges you're going to find. If you're going away for two weeks, that's fine. I mean, if you want to, you know, not exercise and eat in excess that, that, that's that's fine I, I i don't think it's a great idea i think yeah. we we got to stick to good routines no matter where we are but if you travel long term it becomes that much more difficult yep you know, because that's one every, thing we realize every location is different where can you exercise but at the end of the day being fit is one thing i think if you travel like we do we tend to move a lot you know we we just walk a lot but more importantly, you have to watch what you eat and drink. Oh I think yes. Like anything else? You can't. You can't exercise yourself thin. No. So if you exercise
0: gonna, yourself fit, but you got to somehow try and eat yourself thin. Yes.
1: So it's very much a balance between what you what you eat and what you do. And to get a bit of exercise is actually quite easy. I mean, we we prefer running. That's my main um, exercise of choice because you can do it almost everywhere but it doesn't really matter Lisa likes yoga and it's good for stretching but ideally you want to at least raise your heart rate a little bit but you can do that by doing some simple things like push-ups and sit-ups if you really want to it's it's, it doesn't have to be extensive but more than anything else you've got to be careful of falling into bad habits you have to remember for us this is also something we struggled with that if you travel full-time you cannot treat every single day like it's a vacation. I know. It's a holiday. That's the biggest problem, in terms of
0: exercising and eating.
1: Yes, (laughs) as lovely as it sounds, you can't have a beer at sunset every day. No. It becomes a dangerous and slippery slope and you're very, very likely going to struggle to break that habit eventually. So you've got to figure out how can I have a routine with, no matter where I am, um, eat healthy, make smart choices, limit intake of sugar and alcohol and, and obviously refined food. And if you can figure that out, then you're halfway there.
0: And I must say, I think for the past year, not only 2019 2019 and 2020, running has really worked for us. It's something you can do anywhere and everywhere. All you need is a good pair of shoes, even if it means that you have to wear those same shoes walking around for the rest of the day.
1: Or you have to, find a, a you have to replace form, them then. every
0: couple of months. That's probably
1: the worst part. Yeah. But to be honest, I can't think of any single other exercise that gives you uh, within a fairly short period I mean within 45 minutes mm. I can go and I can run six seven eight kilometers and it can cardio workout and it's and you just feel wonderful and one thing we've also learned is no matter what you plan for the day you still get up and do your exercise yep. Don't say, oh, you know, we're gonna visit Uncle uh, What today. We're probably gonna walk thirty, get 30 kilometers. thirty-eight
0: thousand steps, which you will
1: do. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Stick to your routine. Get up in the morning.
0: Go meditate. For
1: that run. Exercise. Yoga. Go for a run. Do what you have to do. I think that's something we learned, and I think that's in a way um, a way to get back to have some form of routine which we so sorely lack in almost every other aspect of traveling.
0: The other thing that I like that running brought to our travels in 2019 was that we started looking for accommodation in places where we knew or we thought we would be able to run from there a nice 5k or 6k Mm -hmm. route and that brought us to stay not necessarily in the biggest or busiest of cities but to just put ourselves slightly further out to have trails along rivers and parks and things like that and by doing that, and then by going out and running these routes early morning before there's tourists around, you get to see so much more of a place geographically. Mm. So you go further, but you also get to see it at a different time of the day. If you think about in Cambodia, when we ran around the neighborhoods there, it's that early morning when people yeah. are just going about their daily lives. They're not expecting tourists yet or anything like that. And it's just great to be a spectator in a way in countries like that.
1: Yeah, it's quite, it's obviously a little bit more difficult to run in cities. You have to live closer to like promenades and maybe parks. What I do is, a lot of the time I'll go into Strava and I will go into a location and I'll see who has plotted routes in that area. And then I can get an idea of this quite a good little route. Maybe it's a good 5k track or something and then I look for something in that area. Mm. So there are ways to get around that. But, you know, as long as you don't have to cross city blocks, I mean, if you're going
0: it, up and down pavements and through traffic you, that's Traffic is a opinion. problem
1: so you have to find a spot where you can mm-hmm. we don't cross streets mm. um, but running is fantastic and if it's it really like you said Lisa it's just, it gives you such a different perspective mm. on the place because you cover so much ground so quickly and you get out to different times of the day and it's just a, it's a wonderful activity when you travel full time.
0: If you're not a runner and you're keen to get into running you can also take a look on our website. There is an article from Couch Potato to running 5Ks in eight weeks. It's a program that we have followed. It's not our program. It's a well-known program, and we've used it many times when we have gotten lazy and stopped running for a while and need to get started again.
1: Well, luckily, (laughs) that's one thing that the last 2020 did. It gave us an opportunity to keep running
0: and to keep fit.
1: Mm. So, if
0: you are interested, don't go out there and just start running and try and run 5Ks and injure yourself. It's quite important to start slowly and to start with a program to be able to work yourself up to running 5Ks comfortably. And if you're looking for something to be able to do yoga or high intensity interval training on the go or just at home in these times of COVID not wanting to go to a gym or to go to a yoga studio check out Down Dog's yoga app and also their other apps that they have their workout which is the hit one and they've got a few others as well. I can highly recommend them. All right so what were some of our first time experiences as Full time nomads.
1: First time experience. First
0: time experience. Well, I've got a couple that I was quite excited okay. about. One thing that we experienced for the first time was an earthquake, feeling the ground shake below us. And it really did feel like I was standing on Aladdin's magic carpet and somebody just pulled a carpet. From i, 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 I was going
1: to say, uh, probably not the first <laughs> time because we spent two months in Japan, in Tokyo, and we must have.
0: Yes, but we weren't that aware of it.
1: Maybe not. We know.
0: didn't feel it. I know we used to get phone calls from our family every now and then. <gasps> oh, you alright? right. But did the, you feel the earthquake? But don't you know? And that we knew earthquakes
1: happen only at night. They do. It's a scientific fact.
0: <laughs> well, wherever we are, they only happen at night.
1: <laughs> I did wake I remember waking up in Waline in Taiwan.
0: Oh, yes, thinking you were jumping hey, on the bed. What
1: is going on I said, like, well? Why is it shaking? <laughs> yeah, it's quite freaky. <laughs>
0: So And for me, the other thing that this 2019 taught me was to appreciate spicy food. I'd always mm. shied away from spicy food. But when you're spending a whole year in Asia, you have no choice but to really eat spicy food. But I didn't just learn to survive it. I learned to really appreciate it and enjoy spicy food.
1: I remember the first time we were in Malaysia, that was one of your biggest challenges. And going back, it was a bit concerning to me that how are we going to... We spent three months easy in Malaysia, maybe even longer. This, uh, I'm not sure. But luckily you came around and figured that mm. there's more to Malaysian food than just really spicy stuff. There's a lot of diversity. And that said, even in Indonesia, Indonesia has got some really spicy
0: food. Yes, I think that was probably the most spicy food.
1: So you have to wrap your head around that idea a little. But it doesn't mean it's all bad, it's really good. Another
0: uh, other thing that I found really good was it was the first time that we had a month-long stay in a single place. And I remember when we planned our first one in Penang I was really a little bit concerned in a way that we were going to be staying in a single place that we didn't know for a whole month and it was just fantastic I mean it was nice to feel at home it never felt like oh my gosh we're here for so long when are we going to move on it actually went by far too quickly
1: you do take a chance when you stay in a place you haven't been before for so long we have been to Penang before but yes you never quite know how that's going to be but I think we both always enjoyed staying longer the risky part is if you have a long-term booking, and you arrive at the location and maybe it's not exactly what you expect it to be or maybe it's more noisy than you think, <laughs> but yes, long-term stay was was pleasant, I enjoyed it.
0: The other thing that we did for the first time was we volunteered in Borneo. That was something I was a little bit nervous about. Yeah, that's something of. you convinced your, me to do. I know, I convinced you to do and I was very nervous it wasn't going to turn out well. I really enjoyed the experience at the end of the day and I think volunteering is something that I would definitely do again.
1: I would be what was your, I would be careful where I volunteer uh, once again. Uh, we've had a great experience in this case and I think I was good but we followed due diligence mm. and we've reached out to some people who have been there before and everything was really better than expected. I mean, the reason why I sound hesitant is just because if you've never been to the northern part of Borneo, it's it's tough. It, it, it's humid, it's wet, it, there's primitive. lots of mosquitoes, it's prim, it's relatively primitive. And because we were volunteering, you we weren't exactly put up in five-star accommodation. No. So, you know, these are things you sort of got to deal with. But that's part of the experience in a way.
0: I think, like you say, it's not a glamorous res- experience, volunteering. And secondly, you do need to do your homework. So I don't think one volunteer experience is a good indication of all volunteer experiences. It's very important to find something that's a good fit for you. I mean, I would love to volunteer again, but I don't want to volunteer, for instance, with animals or something that I'm not good with. Um, It has to be a good fit for me.
1: Well, I think the difficult part is that normally when you volunteer, you have to commit a minimum number of days or weeks. So you could potentially get into something that you might not be 100% comfortable with unless you do your homework. Anything else?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I can, can think of one more. You can.
1: First time I ever had to run for an airplane.
0: Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> that was close. And that's why you need to be fit. We never,
1: we've never, we never missed an airplane.
0: But that was really close. But
1: that was close. That was close. But in fairness, we've also missed, I won't say missed, we've never actually missed, we've missed timed a lot of local transportation, not because we missed our bookings or reservations, it's just that no. things just didn't work out. But yes. Mostly
0: resulted in us waiting for hours mm. as opposed to That's being too away. late. Yeah, it's yeah. just
1: yeah, things don't work out.
0: But, but running for that flight was uh, definitely <laughs> was definitely first, first time experience. And it's not like grateful. oh I'm
1: late that was that was insane. That was that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right.
0: <laughs> all right. So what do we learn from our first year as full time nomads?
1: Mm. As difficult as it may sound, you have to find a routine where it's impossible. Mm. So you got to figure out how to keep yourself sane. That's, that's I think, one of the things I would suggest. And you can do that a number of ways. Maybe stay on social media,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, maybe meditate, do yoga, exercise, try and eat healthy. That's one, one good thing, um, because if you travel full time, What leads on to this, remember that every day isn't necessarily a vacation. Mm -hmm. Every day, you cannot treat every single day as if you are on holiday, somewhere exotic. Because it might look like it, and it is in a way, but you got to be careful of that.
0: Well, and at the same time, every day isn't going to be the perfect day. You're going to have down days, you're going to have days that you wake up just feeling bad and that might be the day that you were planning on going to go and see or do something specific. You're going to have average days, you're going to have days when you need to get practical things done, like sorting out a visa or paperwork Mm. um, or other administrative things. So you have to have those small things that carries through, like you say, some form of routine and you have to just make the most of every day, not only live for the days that you're seeing something new or experiencing something new.
1: Stay organized, firstly, and secondly, say yes to opportunity. When you reach out to people, you have to be open to engage and get out there and give a little bit of yourself. Because sometimes those end up being the most amazing things that sticks out. And that's travels. where
0: being off social media and being present in the moment and being aware of your surroundings allows yes. you to say yes to so much more and interact with locals and well, have
1: those opportunities. Don't isolate yourself. Try and, even if it's fellow travelers, but engage with people and say yes to opportunities, cautiously. <laughs> There's where you the world. You mean
0: uh, accepting <clears throat> beer and food from strangers in South Korea and dancing with them
1: Well, I drew the line to karaoke. (laughs) Do the karaoke with South Koreans at your own peril. (laughs) But that's a story for another day.
0: That's definitely a story for another day. I learned that you should avoid buses in Cambodia. Oh my. And always carry extra Imodium.
1: Oh, critical. (laughs) That you know work. (laughs) No, no, buses in Cambodia, the stuff nightmares are made made of. My advice is, if you're in Cambodia, fly. Everywhere. Everywhere. I know it's not always possible, but gosh, this, this is not, that wasn't fun. No, we've learned a few hard lessons there. What else is there? Um, be careful of traveling too fast. Yes. Watch out for countries like the Philippines where it seems so easy to just go from this island to that island to this town, but you can spend all your time in buses and boats. Yeah. And you can eat up all the fun that you might be having actually at the destination. You know, cut down your your options and stay in places longer.
0: I think that can often be in places where things appear so close. So mm-hmm. I would think Philippines, Indonesia, those places that are made up of multiple islands. Mm. Everything seems close, but it takes forever to get from A to B. It
1: takes and, a whole day, yep. traveling is a whole day.
0: And then secondly, places like Cambodia, where things are far apart.
1: Relatively speaking.
0: Relatively speaking. So you look at the country and you think, oh, well, there's five main destinations I want to go to. I've got a month, I'm sure I can see all five. But it actually takes you a lot longer to get between different destinations.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Some countries, it makes it so much harder to get around. But I would rather than recommend spending more time in a location and getting more from that, more value out of the experience.
0: And who's got the biggest, smallest airplanes?
1: (laughs) uh, Well... We flew in a few small ones, but the uh, smallest seat definitely Asia for the win. <laughs> but the smallest <laughs> well,
0: no, we love it, Asia.
1: Yeah, we love it, Asia. The smallest airplane last year was somewhere in in Borneo. Bordier.
0: We no. flew, what, what was the it's little... It's called
1: a little, it's a twin otter.
0: Twin otter, that's right. No. From Kudat to... Sandakan. Sandakan, that's, that's right. right. And that was the coolest little airplane ever. We were three people in the plane. I could see what the pilots were doing with all the switches. <laughs> it was just such a phenomenal experience.
1: Very cool. Well, I think the whole point of traveling is to learn. It's not just about what can we do different next time to make our travels easier. We do learn how to use our time better, but we want to learn from the experience, we want to grow from those things, we want to be, be better people. Uh, you have to allow yourself that. You know, be, be open to experience and be, be humble.
0: I think two things that I learned were that Indonesian food is a lot more than nasi goreng.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> There's a lot more to Indonesian In fact, food if you open yourself up on to ones. it. Exactly, And secondly, like you say, in terms of learning, there's some really practical things that you learn. I learned a lot in terms of medical value. So every time we got a little cold or, you know, snivelly nose and we had to go and buy a decongestant, it was in a different country, speaking a different language. You learn to know what the ingredients are that you're looking for in certain medication. And that was quite interesting. And what I learned about being a full-time nomad is that it's something I want to do for years to come.
1: Yes, Definitely. (laughs) That being said, it's not for everyone. It doesn't mean you shouldn't travel and it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to travel for longer. Just don't burn yourself out and be realistic.
0: Great. Hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast.
1: Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. And this is a quick reflection of our first full-time year of Nomad Travels that it's pretty much applicable to any year. Well, we didn't go too much into details of destinations, but we hope that you guys could find some value in this discussion and even as we discussed it now i think i learned something as well again so we hope to hit the road again sooner ish COVID permitting thank you for tuning in and if you want to see more of us head over to our website is uh, wewillnomad.com and you will find links to all the stuff we do you can also head over to wewillnomad.substack.com if you want to join our newsletter. And Wherever you find your podcast, please leave us a review. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.
0: Bye.